Morning. We are thankful that you are here this morning. The scenery may have changed a little bit around here, but we're glad that it's another Lord's Day and we have an opportunity to be together this morning to study God's Word. Uh, we have several of our own members who are out. This begins about three weeks in a row for us. Uh, Bible camps, uh, some that are at Carnes this week at Teenage Christian Camp, some that will be going to Fall Creek Falls this afternoon, some that will be there next week, some that will be at Camp McCroy the first couple of weeks of July, so we are thankful and want to wish them well, uh, and we're thankful that you're here this morning and for the opportunity that we have to worship together. You know, we talk about the scenery changing a little bit, but I'm thankful to the elders for the opportunity last week to have things set up for people to see that and hopefully get excited about our vacation Bible school. We were kind of musing uh, Thursday night sitting up here after it was all put back together or the fact that you know it takes almost two weeks you know a week to get everything up and it takes about 30 minutes or less to take it all down that's a little kind of sad sometimes but of course what won't be forgotten is all the work that you all have done and I hope that you read the note in the bulletin not only about the survey that's in there there's a mention about that if you'd like to give us any feedback on anything we can improve or make better for next year we appreciate that but don't miss the part about the thank you because we're really thankful for all the hard work that went into it many of our teachers that did a lot of work preparing but even if you were just here we're thankful for the good crowd that we were able to have and we appreciate so much your attendance as part of that you know, in, in conjunction with that a little bit, any time that we have a chance to study the Word of God, I'm thankful, and it kind of means something to me and hopefully to you. Any time that we have the chance to look at the words of Jesus, uh, then I think it's important and it should be encouraging to us. Uh, but even this week, maybe the title of the lesson, if you look at it, means just a little bit more to some of us. Maybe you feel like this guy uh, when it comes to the weekend after VBS. Uh, maybe you feel a little bit tired or maybe some of our leaders feel a little bit like this. Be a VBS leader, they said. It'll be fun, they said. And we had kids running around here a little bit this week, but I think they did a pretty good job. And of course, then there's tired and then there's in charge of vacation Bible school tired. So the idea of the sermon being, you shall find rest, maybe it means just a little bit more for us this week. But if you've got your Bible, you might be turning to Matthew chapter 11. And verses 28 through 30. I couldn't help but looking about lessons and thinking about what to say and thinking about this particular passage that the idea of rest after such a busy week means something to us. But I think obviously there's a little something more we can take from the lesson this morning and from the Word of God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 has begun a prayer, if you will, beginning down in verse number 25. But we're more familiar beginning with verse number 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, maybe this particular week after many of us have been busy with any number of things, the idea of rest seems a little more, a little more, uh, means a little bit more to us. But at the same time, when I look across the room and I see many of you in the different situations that we know are going on, whether it's a, a sickness or an illness or things that you've been dealing with or just flat out being busy in your personal life, we like the idea of finding rest. When Jesus says those words there, that's of comfort to us to think about this concept of rest. But what we'd like to notice from this particular passage this morning, first of all, is that there are actually three things that are listed here that provide unrest for a person. Now, that's not what we're after, obviously, but as is the case with contrast, a lot of times it helps us to think about the positive, but even to think about the negative as well. So while we want to think about the rest that we can receive, it's also important to think about the things which cause us 
unrest. And there are three things mentioned in this passage which provide unrest for a person. The first one that we see is a wrong yoke. A wrong yoke. Now we understand the concept of a yoke. And as you fill out your outline, I'll go forward to a picture that, again, you may be familiar with. We understand the concept, even if it is something that we don't quite use today. Now maybe some of you have used it before, and maybe even recently with some particular animals. But for most of us, we got it. We can look at the picture and say, "I I know what that is. But it doesn't quite mean the same to us. The application doesn't quite hit home as well. But we understand, as there are two sides of this yoke, that yokes are for the purpose of cooperation and united work. Hopefully this device will do its job in allowing two animals to be cooperative and to do united work. Yokes, if you will, and of course in context of what we're talking about this morning, yokes are connections. A connection, simply, if you will, to become one or what is the case sometimes to fight against each other. Because you can put this thing on two animals. You could put it on two people, of course, and those people might fight against each other rather than work together to go down the same path. But needless to say, regardless, there is a connection. When we talk about being or having wrong yokes, the question for us, of course, the application for me and you is, what are you connected to? What are you connected to in your life this morning or today or currently? What is it that you're connected to that maybe is not helping you accomplish your goal? And of course, in context, again, this morning, the goal of heaven. We all know 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33, evil companions or evil company or bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we understand that. We, we talk about that. We preach that at our children and we hit home with them about, about having the right friends. But our connections in life sometimes corrupt us. The Bible that you're looking at, the version may say good habits. It may say good morals. But Sometimes the evil things that we're connected to, and I think that word is interesting, evil. Because we say, well, I I don't know anybody evil. The things I'm doing, they're not evil. We think about evil, we think about dictators and people who would murder. I'm not evil, but maybe just the bad things that we're connected to. The bad things sometimes corrupt us and cause us trouble. You see, in this life, we sometimes are connected to the wrong yoke or yokes. If you've got your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22, Matthew 19, 16 through 22, we read a familiar passage to us of Jesus counseling what we call the rich young ruler. And what does Jesus say here? He says, uh, you know, you've done these things, and and he says, I've done these things, and Jesus says, that's great, but, but go and get rid of the rest. Jesus essentially says, get rid of your connections. It's holding you back. You've got the wrong yoke. You're connected to the wrong things. Jesus says in verse number 21, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. He says, set aside all of those connections. Set aside all those things. They just get in the way. They just cause us to fight and go down the wrong path. Sometimes we're connected to the wrong yoke. You know, it's interesting in, in thinking about a yoke and, and looking at the, uh, the history of it. Someone said that when training a new animal, such as an ox or a new ox, to plow, that the ancient farmers often yoked it to an older, stronger, 
more experienced animal who bore the burden and guided the young animal through the learning process. This morning in the class that I was a part of here in Adult Classroom 1, we, we hammered that home with the idea of the church. The idea that we, we want you to be here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, not just because you check your box or because you just show up and you fill a pew, but because you have a chance to make connections. You have a chance to be yoked together with older, more mature, more experienced Christians maybe who can guide you and help you in the learning process. And we're all going through the learning process. We'll come there in just a few moments. But many times in life we have the wrong yoke and it gives us unrest. Secondly, this morning, we sometimes have the wrong burden. You say, wait a minute, preacher, just a second. I can't help my burdens. You know, I can't help the things in my life. And, you know, sometimes that's the case. I have to admit that, that there are some things in life that we don't choose that happen to us. Maybe a sickness, maybe a death, something that we, we didn't intend to happen. And that's true. And we have to bear that burden, even though, you know, we didn't choose that. But sometimes we do carry the wrong burden. Or maybe you say, it isn't this easy, or it isn't this supposed to be easy, excuse me. Maybe you say, you know, Jesus is saying it's supposed to be easy. I won't face anything. Well, that's not true either. Let me ask you a question. When you weren't a Christian, did you face burdens? Of course. When you became a Christian, did you face burdens? Of course. So we have to set that aside because we all have burdens. But if you've got your Bible, you might notice there again in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 through 30 that the word that is used, there's a couple of words there that are used. One is the idea of labor in verse number 28. Well, some of the commentators who discuss things of the Bible discuss this idea that the labor is burdens that we take upon ourselves. And then you see there in verse number 28, all you who are heavy laden, and the heavy laden is burdens that others sometimes put upon us. The fact of the matter is, we sometimes deal with heavy, intolerable burdens in our life. We sometimes deal with things that are, that are so difficult that we feel like we will be crushed underneath them. That there's no one or no thing that can help us or save us. Sometimes we can't help it. Again, sometimes things happen and, and there's nothing that we can do. Maybe someone else makes a poor choice and it causes us sorrow. But yet sometimes our burdens are based upon our own heavy burdens that we carry. We sometimes deal with intolerable heavy burdens. If you've got your Bible and you're still there in Matthew chapter 23 this time. Matthew 23, 23 and 24. Matthew 23, 23 and 24. Now this is a passage in which Jesus is providing or giving woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. But he talks there uh, about some, some smaller things and not paying attention to the, the heavier things. Now, I, I think here, you know, he's talking about more than just that. I think he, he's talking about the things uh, of mercy and faith and some of the, way, the ways that we live our life. But when we make maybe a broader application, verse number 24, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Sometimes we feed into these earthly burdens rather than turning to the one who can help us. I, I don't know that that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here in context, but, but it came to my mind when I thought about this in a broader sense because we sometimes, as we say, major in the minors. And we sometimes carry the wrong burdens. Yes, there are things we cannot help, but there are other things sometimes that we need to set aside. That we need to set aside. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. 
And then third and finally for our first section of the sermon here, of the three things that provide unrest, we sometimes go with the wrong teaching. The wrong teaching. Now, all of us fit into different categories. Some of us are lifelong students. I remember the guys in, who we graduated from Fried Hardeman together, and they went right into the master's program. You know, they're just, they're just lifelong students, always learning. Some of you hated school. You know, you, you wanted out in kindergarten. You wanted out in high school. You wanted out anywhere in between. You weren't allowed to, but you wanted to. You just hated school. And, of course, many of us are somewhere in between. We got through the schooling, but maybe we didn't go to extra schooling. But the fact of the matter is we spend our life in learning. Maybe not in higher education, maybe not in opening the book and and going to class, but we spend our life in learning. So yes, sometimes we have the wrong teaching. You know, from even a small child, the first time that you stuck the fork near the outlet, and hopefully not in it, or you grabbed the hot iron, on to later where you spent all your money and you realized that you didn't have enough at the end of the month, and, and everywhere in between, we spend our life learning these lessons. Sometimes we wear it as a badge of honor, that we're street smart, that you know we've gone through all of these things. And that's, that's good that we learn about life. But sometimes we put our trust in these teachings and in these things. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus, I think, is, is mentioning this in a sense. Mark 10 and verses 23 through 25. There are some people who put their trust in just flat-out learning, as in like maybe higher education, but, but we put our trust in lots of things, the wrong teaching here upon this earth. Jesus says in, in verse number 23, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. In verse number 24, how hard it is for those who trust. And he says in riches, but I, we can enter anything there that we learn about, who put their trust in anything. In verse number 25, that many people know well, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We sometimes put our trust in the wrong teaching. If you've got your Bible, go over to Acts chapter 22. We see Paul a lot of times in his life trying to make a defense. And in Acts 22, he's in an interesting situation because he's actually before a mob. If you've got headings in your Bible, you may see that he is addressing the Jerusalem mob. So this is not like a couple of the higher-ups sitting around or, you know, he's got a couple of his friends and they're talking. This is a mob wanting, of course, to lop his head off right then and there, send him to prison, anything they can do to him, and he begins to give this defense. Notice in verse number 3 of Acts 22. He says, I am in, indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. Now, don't be confused. The reason we want to notice this passage is because Paul had learned much the world's way. But don't be confused. Paul is not taking credit for that. In fact, what he's doing as he has this chance to preach before the mob is saying, I've got all that. I've got all that, but there's more to it. He's wanting to take an opportunity to preach to them about Jesus. In fact, if you read on down through Acts 22 at your own pace, maybe later, this is where he recounts what happens to him on the road to Damascus. This is where he tells them. He gives what some people would call his testimony. He he gives what happened to him. He wants to teach them about Jesus because he says, I've done all those things. I studied at the feet of Gamaliel. And there's other passages where he talks about all of his qualifications. But he says it's not it. Sometimes we get caught up in the wrong teaching, the wrong 
burdens, the wrong yoke, and those things do not provide the rest that Jesus can provide. This morning, what we want to make very clear as we begin to conclude our lesson is this idea that we must exchange our wrongs for Christ's way. Now, I believe the bulletin just says for Christ. And I realize that reads a little backwards. You know, we don't exchange our wrongs for Christ's wrongs. I went ahead and added way here. We want to exchange our wrongs for Christ's way. In fact, that's the whole point. That's exactly what he's saying here. Is you trust in the wrong yoke, the wrong burdens, the wrong teaching. All those things are wrong. But exchange it. Exchange it for, first of all, he says, my yoke is easy. We need to exchange our wrong yoke, the things, the connections that we have for his and for him because his yoke is easy. The word for easy here, the Greek word is krestos or well-fitting. The idea that it's not easy is in lazy. It's not easy as in lazy or not working, but it's easy as in well-fitting. In fact, again, looking at the history, and I'm not an expert, but, but looking at the history, I understand that sometimes they would even modify those or, or make changes to those physical yokes, those wooden yokes, to make it well-fitting for the animal so that they would be willing to work. So Jesus says, my yoke is easy. It's not lazy. It's not no work, but it's well-fitting, fit for the work. This isn't a call to lazy. It isn't a call to an indulgent life. In fact, there is still a yoke to bear. There is still a burden to carry. He's not saying it's easy and you don't have to do anything. There's still work to be done, but now you are fit for that work. R.T. France, who is a noted New Testament scholar, R.T. France says it this way, Jesus' yoke is easy not because it makes lighter demands, but because it represents entering into a disciple relationship. Because of that connection. I set aside all the worldly things that can't give me anything but temporary pleasure, and I'm yoked to the one who makes it easy. I enter into that disciple relationship so that I can lean upon him. In John 14, 1 through 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, my yoke is easy. There's nowhere else to turn. If you've got your Bible, look in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 through 40. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. You are well-fitting. Do you remember, we've talked about this recently. I don't remember which lesson in particular, but we made note of the fact that in the Old Testament, and really as the rabbis would take the Old Testament and add their traditions to it, there were 600, over 600 laws in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, and really at the end? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. No list of 600 things. No list, long list that you have to unfurl and make sure you're checking off all the boxes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These two things hang all the law and the prophets. It's that simple. My yoke is easy, he says. Now, we know from our human relationships that it's not always easy in that sense, again. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Be connected to me, and you will find that you are fit for work. But secondly, he says, my burden is light. My burden is light. If you've got your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 3. Because there, John says a similar idea that, that gives us comfort. 
When Jesus says to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself, verse number 3 of 1 John 5, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. It's not burdensome. Jesus boiled it all down to two things that we need to do, loving God and loving our neighbor. In partaking of His light burden, we do not become idlers We do not sit back and rest on our laurels, but we instead become real workers. We become real workers for God. There is much work to be done, but don't miss the point here. There is also real joy. We had a perfect example. We had a perfect example of it this week right here in this very building. The Vacation Bible School. There's work to be done. There's folks that had to do all kinds of things from setting up or being here every night, walking those crazy kids around the halls and trying to make sure they're paying attention, doing the right thing. Any number of work that had to be done. But there was also real joy that came along with it. And I think most of us enjoyed the week as we got through the work. We enjoyed the opportunity to interact with kids. We enjoyed the opportunity to be here together. And when we take that time and we think about that joy, the burden becomes light. We do it together. We do it for God. And it is. It's light. We can also use this idea of contrast again, like we said earlier. Consider the lightness of his burden in contrast to the heaviness of sin. Think about whatever it is in your life that you've been facing and struggling with. The heaviness of that sin in your life. When you think about the burden that we bear with Jesus, it's light. Consider the heaviness of considering the eternal home with the devil and his angels. Consider that with the light, the burden of Jesus that is light. When we think about the commandments of Jesus, they're not burdensome. There is work to be done, but there is also real joy to have there as we work together and as we work for him. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he says there as well, come learn of me. To go back to the yoke for just a moment, that yoke which connects us with Christ is his teaching. We remember John 14 and verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's not about checking every box, but there is the statement there from Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. We need to learn of him. That is what connects us. When we learn of him and we follow his teaching, we're connected to him. Then the yoke is easy and the burden is light. That is where true rest is found. You may recall the words in John chapter 6 and verse number 68. As Peter and those who are gathered there and some people turn their back on Jesus. Jesus says, are you guys going to leave too? And what does Peter say? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Come learn of me. That's where the answers are found. You can find libraries. We could all go together up the road here in one of the bookstores and find entire sections of self-help books. And there may be things in there that can encourage us. Come learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Peter said it so perfectly there. There's nowhere else to go. You have the answers. You have the words. And even as Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Tells me two things. Number one, we can know the mind of Christ. We can know it. We can read his words, we can look at the the accounts of his life, and we can know the mind of Jesus Christ. But number two, we can do it. We can do it. God's never asked anything of us that we can't accomplish. He's never asked anything that we can't do. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You can know the mind of Christ and you can do it. He says, come learn of me. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's the place we need to go. Now, there's nothing wrong with education. Again, as you get degrees, as you graduate high school, maybe college, even postgraduate work and doctorate thing, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, with having that maybe as a part of your life, as your career and the things that you do. But where are we really putting the stock? Where are we really putting the stock of our life in? In the words of Christ? In that rest that we find in him? Or in the worldly things? Again, those connections. Jesus said, come learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To find true rest, the rest for our souls. Not just the rest from this life, not just the vacation, not just the rest we sometimes need after Bible camp or vacation Bible school. To find true rest, the rest for our souls that we desire here upon this earth, we must exchange the wrongs of the world for the ways of Christ. We must exchange the wrong yoke, the wrong burden, the wrong teaching for the things of Jesus. That's the only answer. That's the only place. The question this morning as we conclude is, why is there rest? Why is it easy when we're with Jesus? Why is there only rest found in him? And the answer is very, very simple. It's because he bears it with us. It's because he bears it with us. You know, oftentimes uh, there's a lot of good things about marriage and a lot of good things about having a family. But one of the best things is you don't have to do it alone. You have someone to bear the burden. You have someone that you can turn to. We've said it already this morning. It's the beautiful thing about the church. We come here together to worship God, but we have a chance to not do it alone, to share with one another and go through these earthly trials together. Why is there rest found in Jesus? Why is it easy? Because he bears it with us, because he is there. There is rest. Have you ever felt it? As we conclude this lesson this morning, have you ever felt that peace, that rest? In fact, we sang about it this week. It was kind of silly, of course, as we sang it with our kids, but, but the peace that passeth understanding down in my heart, yeah, we sang about it. Have you ever felt that peace or that rest? More than likely, you felt it because you were at peace with Jesus. Because you were at peace with Jesus the Son and God the Father. That's where the peace came from. You may think that it was something else. You may think that you set aside some earthly connections, and maybe you did. But a lot of times when we feel that true peace, it's because we're at peace with Jesus and with God the Father. The rest that we've been speaking about is much more than this physical rest of this life. It's a relief from the guilt of sin. The rest that Jesus provides is a relief from the guilt of sin. And ultimately it leads to a rest that is even greater than home in heaven. As we are about to sing the song of invitation here in just a moment, have you ever felt that rest? Possibility exists even in an audience this size. Maybe you're here and you've never done that. You don't know what it means to become a Christian because you've never submitted your will to God's will. You've never submitted yourself to the healing waters of baptism, the healing power of the blood of Christ. We'll be singing in a moment to encourage you that you would consider that. Maybe you want to know more about that. We would study with you even this day so that you can understand that great commitment. Putting on Christ in baptism, allowing his blood to wash away your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church it's where true peace and rest is found. Maybe you know that. I know many of you are Christians, and you can look back and you can point to that date and time, maybe even remember that night or that day coming out of the water and feeling at peace. But life gets in the way and you start feeling burdened again. 
You kind of turn away from Jesus, your sins separate you from him, and you know you need to come back. We'll be singing as well to encourage you that if you need to make a change by coming back to him, repenting of your sin, confessing that before God, and praying to him for forgiveness, you can do that. And he is faithful to forgive you that you can again walk in the light as he is in the light. The point is, no one has to leave today without that rest. The peace of Jesus, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to him. Would you come as we stand together and as we sing?